0: Trademarks owned by Becklast AB to CV Twenty Twenty Four, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe.
2: A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever
3: you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts... John Anik
0: and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it good to be with you? Is it good to be with you? It is Monday, May 27, 2019, episode 202 of the Anik and Florian podcast. You can blame TJ DeSantis for last week. He took a vacation with his family. We trotted out a best of episode. The masses are upset, but uh, what are you going to do about it? Big birthday for Ken on Sunday, by the way. Happy birthday, kid. I just...
1: Feel so old right now. It's ridiculous. Uh yeah, see this is what happens when, when we just we take it easy on TJ and we just we treat him like gold and, and he it. takes off on us.
0: He was like, I'm I'm gone for 11, 11 days. I mean, that is just a long time. But hey, you know, bank rolls fatter than mine with those deep pockets. You do eleven days at Disney World. I understand.
3: <laughs> hey, no, I, 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 I wanna say, I just wanna point out I left you for eleven days, you left me for a year.
0: Oh man. Oh that was good. That was very. You win again, TJ. You win again. (laughs) Whether it's an MMA history lesson or us leaving you for a year, you you win again. Uh, We also missed Ray Longo's birthday last week, by the way. So please remind me, Flo, when we get there at the end of the show, long ago today. Uh, But today is Memorial Day. Yesterday, we were were, uh, honoring Ken Flo. Uh, Today, we honor those who died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. And, you know, today's the federal holiday, obviously, and everybody's posting on Instagram and and rightfully so. Um, But this is a gratitude I know that you feel every day, right, as we sit around and enjoy things like freedom. And for those of us that didn't make that sacrifice and certainly for those of us that didn't make that ultimate sacrifice there's part of this that we can't relate to i'll just say when you tell a 7 year old girl as i've said to my daughter that something like freedom isn't guaranteed you know she freaks out right and you just sometimes i think when you're a parent uh and you get older and you see your kids just have freedom when other children don't uh it crystallizes it for you so uh thank you to those who made the ultimate sacrifice hopefully this free content you know is here for you if you're still serving you know
1: yeah, absolutely, man. You know, uh, going to the military was something that I contemplated. I've always had such respect for all the warriors um, that have lived and died uh, for this country. And uh, we are eternally grateful for all of those that have served, all of those that are currently serving. Uh, but when you're talking about the ultimate sacrifice, man, the, those are people that truly believed in this country, truly believed uh, in, in freedom and, and all those things. And uh, we're just so thankful to have them
0: and there's a a tremendous bond obviously between a lot of ufc fighters i know you've had a chance to see the troops at some point in time we've done some fight for the troops events you know my bucket list as far as things ufc related people ask me oh what's your dream job my dream is to call a ufc fight for the troops right because i haven't been able to i think we've done four uh and i have yet to get the call so hopefully there's a chance at some point down the line um and hopefully everybody uh if it applies is getting some family time today any any family time for you on the birthday kid i mean kind of went dark on the birthday i understand as you get a a little bit older uh, <laughs> nothing fun about it man like, I, I mean i'm as is well documented i hated my 40th birthday and 41 is right around the goddamn corner
1: <laughs> that's funny dude uh yeah no you know we uh we went out to joshua tree we went camping with the little one actually overnight and overnight dude two nights we did two nights uh in joshua tree it got a little cold uh, but uh, we, we prepared uh, appropriately, I think, and uh, the the baby did great. I mean, she's such a trooper, dude. Uh, she, she's amazing. We were intense and uh, dealing with uh, the cold and then the hot during the day uh, in Joshua Tree. We survived. Uh, I'm 43 years old, but I got to say, I, I think I would beat the living shit. Uh, I would beat the living shit
0: out of 28-year-old Ken Flo. I'm uh, telling I, you. I well, believe I, it. I think there are a lot of fighters that you think you could probably still beat the shit out of <laughs> with that back would hold up. Well, that's great that you went and did the camp. Please tell me you didn't like rush back for the Anakin Florian podcast. Of course, of course. Oh, of course I did. I can just see had Clark. To. Really, bro. You didn't bring your laptop, we gotta go all the way home to do the <laughs> Anakin Florian podcast? No, of course not. So we did not get a chance last week to recap the UFC Rochester show. So just want to treetop that a little bit uh, before we get to the main event challenge and then eventually uh, Ray Longo. So Rafael Dosanjo said the main event a winner by submission round four over Kevin Lee and I guess the conversation Kenny now nine to ten days removed from the fight uh, is probably as much about the win and the fight itself as it is sort of a career retrospective on Rafael Dos Anjos because this win added to the rest of them uh, is a really big deal for a really good guy.
1: Dos Anjos is a tremendous fighter I-, I thought that he did a great job of surviving that early blitz from Kevin Lee I think him and, and his team and, and all of us uh, really expected that. Uh, I expected that Kevin Lee was going to keep a, a, um, a tough pace in that fight. Um, the problem is is that I, I think, unfortunately, I'm trying to be as clinical uh, about this as possible, and, and this is without bias. I just think that we found out a lot of things uh, about Kevin Lee that I, I think was, was really confirmed in this fight, and is that he needs to get better, technically, that you can't rely on just your conditioning um, to get it done against a guy like Rafael Dos Anjos who has been there, has seen it all, has been in there with some very large welterweights uh, since he's moved up and Kevin Lee just didn't provide that same kind of challenge that a Kamaru Usman or a Colby Covington uh, was able to present uh, against Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, Dos Anjos just seemed to be better everywhere um, and, and Kevin Lee and I think Dos Anjos got caught up emotionally in the pocket, kind of trading a little bit, taking unnecessary shots, but um, I I feel like Kevin didn't really understand the range so much. He was just trading and throwing shots, not really setting it up, not really aware of the range, and those shots from Dos Andros were really, um, I think, wearing down on him, and and not to mention uh, Dos Andros' ability to stop the takedowns and even uh, go for some takedowns himself. I think that was really frustrating Kevin Lee throughout.
0: The end seemed kind of anticlimactic as well. Not much resistance on the choke, obviously from yeah. Kevin Lee. In some respects, putting himself in, in a bad position, not necessarily forced by Rafael dos Anjos. So, what what is what is at the core for Kevin Lee? Since you sort of went there, I mean, is it is it a, a cardio issue? Is it trying to figure out how to go? You know, to manage not just risk, but cardio over 25 minutes. Is it a, you know, I know, is it a Robert Fallis issue? I mean, I know he is only three fights removed from losing his head coach. I mean, what what is at the core here of the problem for Kevin Lee in your mind?
1: Well, well John, you know, not having uh, Robert Fallis there, um, yeah, is definitely going to hurt him because this was a Kevin Lee that I, I didn't see Any adjustments or improvements in his game? I I saw Kevin Lee that, in fact, look worse. So that could absolutely be a factor. I think that's a a great uh, thing to note there. Um, But more than anything else, he needs to improve. Technically, he he didn't show that he's aware of proper range and proper setting up of strikes. He wasn't feinting his way in, really, getting in, getting out. He was just in the pocket like he was hitting a heavy bag. The problem is that heavy bag at Dos Anjos was hitting him right back. Um, The other thing is, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Kevin Lee is an athlete. He's not necessarily a Tony Ferguson type figure where he doesn't care if he's going to lose a limb, he doesn't care if he's going to get knocked out. He will pursue through, um, you know, uh, the garden of punishment no matter what. Kevin Lee just seemed to get tired um, and mentally, physically, spiritually didn't have it. Um, and uh, and again, and that's okay, that's fine. But you can't fight like that if you know that you don't have the mental uh, fortitude to push through. Um so I think there there was a failure of really going out there with a proper game plan. Going out right. there and I've done the same thing. I've done this stupid sure. idea too of going, well, I'm just going to pressure BJ Penn and I expect him to break. <laughs> that does not fucking happen. Right. You got to go in there with right. some kind of technical game plan. If you're going in there expecting a dude to fail, you will fail yourself at some yeah. point. Maybe not that fight, but eventually. Um, you got to go in there with skills uh, and, and more than just one game plan, hoping for the other guy to just fail, and a, a guy like Dos Anjos just isn't going to do that at this point in his career. Dos Anjos still has it. He's still hungry, uh, and came away with a great win over Kevin Lee, and Kevin Lee's going to have to rethink things now. I, I, again, he's in between weight classes. We've talked about that right. as well, but if he wants to fight at 170 pounds, he either needs to put a lot more weight on, or or he's going to have to get way better technically.
0: I think he'll probably push the reset button again and go back to 155 pounds and yeah. really try to get himself in a position where he gets so far ahead of the weight cut and maybe just making some wholesale changes. Not unlike we saw Yancey Medeiros did. I'm not saying you got to go vegan, but... You know, really major lifestyle-type changes uh, if he's going to try to to be a lightweight contender because it's amazing how much the narrative has changed over the last three or four fights for Kevin Lee. I mean, I don't think this one stings as much as losing the Iaquinta rematch necessarily, but – And while there was some good in this performance, I think for Kevin Lee, a lot of questions to be answered. I think at times he questions his own style, right? And at times maybe he wishes his style was a little more entertaining. Not to say that he isn't an entertaining fighter, but at times I think the way he needs to fight in a five-round fight is not the way he would like to fight. Uh, But we'll see what happens with Kevin Lee as far as RDA is concerned. uh, And Luke Thomas did a really nice job shining the light on RDA last week. The wins list, Kenny... And Kevin Lee, too, is going to be a problem, I still think, for a lot of guys out there, right? So it looks good on the wins list. So Kevin Lee, Robbie Lawler, these are RDA's wins. Donald Cerrone times two, so two wins over the guy who has more UFC wins than anyone. Anthony Showtime-Pettis, a finish of Benson Henderson, in the main event, Nate Diaz. Uh, some welterweights, to your point, Neil Magny. Tarek Safedine. Uh, Flo, I mean, people hate when I say future Hall of Famer. Um, but tell me how this guy who started 0-2 and now has 18 UFC wins, a lightweight championship, a defense of the belt, you know, I'm not putting him in, in in Canton, okay, but pretty impressive body of work for Dos Anjos for sure. Uh,
1: without a doubt. I, I think it's silly to think that he's not going to be a future Hall of Famer. He's done a lot of great things in this sport. Um, I, You know, I, I, I love Rafael Dos I, I think that um, he's as well-rounded as they come you look at a guy who has evolved over the course of career uh, of his career and how he's improved coming in primarily as really a jiu-jitsu guy then he really worked um, on his uh, on his striking he went to Thailand yep. um, and and improved that aspect of his game then really improved his his wrestling uh, then now has really improved his boxing as well now I don't think this was his best performance per se I, I actually think that dos Angeles was uh, fast Far superior on a technical level than Kevin Lee was. I think Kevin Lee um, was trading in the pocket, and Dos Andos obliged. And I thought that was a very dangerous approach. Uh, perhaps he got a little emotional and just you know felt more comfortable in there. Um, but uh, again, a win is a win. Uh, Kevin Lee is a tough guy. Um, And I think Dos Anjos did exactly what he needed to do uh, in the later rounds to get the win, uh, got Kevin Lee extremely tired, uh, and finished him when he should have. And and I think Dos Anjos is even better than what he showed against Kevin Lee. I I couldn't agree with you more that this is a future Hall of
0: Famer. And Jason Perillo in the corner, even after round one, he sort of seemed to intimate the game plan here is to extend this guy, right? It wasn't their yes. cleanest effort for sure, uh, but enough to get another finish. So 18-9 and nine in the UFC for, for Rafael dos Anjos. And I think sometimes... You know, historically speaking in other sports, the way Hall of Famers are revered, when you talk about a guy with nine losses, maybe that hurts his candidacy and why people give me the Heisman when I bring up that conversation. You know, uh, point of comparison, Rashad Evans has eight losses, right? A lot of those came at the tail end, but he didn't even defend the light heavyweight title, right? right? So this wasn't the conversation I was intending to have today, but you know, I think on the merits of of the body of work he's in for me.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt, look at the guys that he's beaten, just the fact that uh, he's gone out there and been the champ at 155 pounds so, again, uh, you know, we've talked about so many times that it is the most difficult division in the sport. Um, that alone uh, right. warrants the right. merit of a future Hall of Famer, and, and the guy continues to have a lot of success at Welterweight now.
0: Yes, I agree, too, right? I mean, present company, a little biased, but that's yeah, okay. Exactly. I understand. Uh, no. So I don't want to spend too much more time on the Rochester show, but we got to give Ian Heinisch a little bit of love for ending the winning streak of Shoeface Antonio Carlos Jr. You know, I said a couple weeks ago it was the fight on the card that I was most looking forward to. Um, a lot of high expectations for Shoeface. He started to live up to them and then ran into another guy that people are very high on. Ian Heinisch gets the biggest win of his career there in New York.
1: Heart, determination, conditioning uh, seemed to be the recipe here as well for Ian Heinisch. Um, you know, I, I got to say, though, you know, for Shoeface, I, I think this was also the case for me, I think, in my career is that sometimes when you're working on the other aspects of your game, um, the thing that got you to the dance, uh, mm-hmm. your jujitsu in this case, um, sometimes you lose some of those core fundamentals. Some of those things that you do well start to kind of fade away. You lose the luster on them. And I, I gotta say, I saw that here uh, with Shoeface. Um, didn't seem so clean with his grappling on the ground. Was making a lot of fundamental mistakes but yeah. again, that does not take away from Ian Heinish's toughness, his ability to just be brutal on the ground uh, and, and just Seemed tougher on the feet was landing heavy shots and did a great job of really stopping a lot of those takedown attempts from shoeface shoeface just not efficient with his grappling not efficient on the feet with his wrestling and just got absolutely exhausted and Ian heinish made him pay
0: when he needed to there is a serious hunger that burns inside oh. See, and Heinish, and if you know his story, uh, then you know why it burns in some respects, and if you don't, I suggest you Google it. But a guy who conceivably couldn't be – could conceivably not be here right now and uh, – mm-hmm. He is just chasing UFC greatness and a big feather in his cap. And all of a sudden, right, you get a win over a guy like that. You're you're ranked and you're getting a big fight next. So congratulations to Ian Heinisch. Congratulations to Frankie Edgar, who is getting a title shot against Max Holloway at UFC 240. So Frankie Edgar's last shot at any undisputed title UFC 156 in 2013 he did have the interim featherweight opportunity against Jose Aldo I believe UFC 200 uh but this is a long time coming if you're Frankie Edgar we will certainly get to Alexander Volkanovsky and all of this because he feels passed over and in the worst of ways in a lot of respects but your thoughts on on Frankie Edgar and, and Max Holloway and and the fresh matchup that is likely to headline UFC 240.
1: You know, a lot of people have have a problem with this because of the Volkanovsky situation, which we'll get into later. But I'm very happy for Frankie Edgar. I think this is warranted. This guy is a true legend of the game. Um, and here he is with an opportunity to win a second belt and a second away class. The, few, the, the former champ at 155 pounds, Frankie Edgar, has a game that Max Holloway really hasn't – um had to deal with a, a lot in his career at 145 pounds. This is a, a a wrestler, a guy who knows how to get on the inside and get out. This is a guy who knows how to stick to game plans. Um, this is a guy who moves very well, um, is a smart fighter, has, has a ton of experience and can really pose a lot of problems for a Max Holloway. And in a lot of ways, it, it's an interesting uh, fight because Volkanovsky gets a chance to look at a similar fighter in Frankie Edgar and say, all right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna adjust on the game plan of what he did right and what he did wrong. Assuming Frankie Edgar, you know, either whether he gets it done or whether he isn't able to, I think it's a great uh, way for Volkanovski to see kind of what's gonna work here against Max Holloway because they are very similar fighters. But uh, for Max Holloway. Um, I think if you look at one thing where, where he hasn't been so challenged, it's in the takedown uh, uh, realm. Sure. And Frank Edgar s- can certainly do that and make a lot of fighters look bad. You look at some of his performances against guys like Cub Swanson, who's a tremendous striker, who moves really well, he's very dangerous. And Frank Edgar just always kept him off balance a- right. and found a way to put him on his back. And I'm, I'm certain that's what he's going to try to do here against Max Holloway.
0: Yeah, no doubt it's a compelling, stylistic matchup. In some respects, I think it was made because Max Holloway is trying to turn this thing around quickly after the loss to Dustin Poirier in April. And and power to Max, too, right? For for wanting to get right back in there and and right that wrong in a lot of respects. Uh, As far as Volkanovski is concerned, I think the only, well, the biggest downside would be, obviously, a Frankie Edgar win because that would uh, propel a potential rematch against Max Holloway. And then the timeline really starts to get away from you. This was a decision that was made absent of Volkanovski's blood infection, and we'll detail that in a second. I just want to read these quotes from Alexander Volkanovsky's coach, Eugene Behrman, because there are a lot of people uh, in Australia and beyond who really aren't happy that Volkanovsky went to Rio, beat the number one contender, and is not getting a title fight. Uh, This is Eugene Behrman, courtesy of Submission Radio. Uh, Gutted mate, absolutely livid, livid, livid. Like, we talked about this for such a long time. We talked about it. Our team talked about it. Our goal was to set this scenario up. And for all our knowledge, this is what the UFC was looking for. This is what they wanted. They needed Volko to win that fight, needed Adesanya to get into position. And then we've got an Australasian supercard set up all because of the work that we put in, the position that we put ourselves into, yada, yada, yada. Um, So obviously he's pretty upset about it. And rightfully so, right, because Frankie Edgar has the win over Cub Swanson, which came about six weeks after he lost to Brian Ortega. That was April 2018. But Volkanovsky, you know… I laugh because he's won 17 in a row. He's 7-0 in the UFC, and he just did the, the Mendez-Aldo bang-bang, you know? So uh, in terms of body of work on paper, it's like, what else does Volko need to do, Ken Flo?
1: He, he needs to do nothing. I mean, he's, he's done it all. Uh, this is a guy with another interesting style, like I said, uh, similar to a Frankie Edgar, uh, who could pose a lot of problems for the champ, Max Holloway. Uh, Volkanovski has done everything he needed to do. Um, I, again, he really surprised me in that fight against Aldo, really just took Aldo's heart Uh, and threw it into the brazilian crowd i mean uh, volkanovsky is an absolute beast um and and the fact that he was able to to do it and probably was dealing with uh that blood infection perhaps during that fight against aldo i mean that's very strange that it came up the day after i mean he must have been dealing with it before which really can sap your energy can sap your strength and the fact that volkanovsky was able to get it done and do it impressively uh just makes that guy that much more of a beast but listen timing is everything in this sport and a lot of times the ufc goes in a completely different direction than than is expected and i think as fighters you kind of have to deal with that as a team you kind of have to uh know that um it doesn't make it any easier to deal with but again i think there's a silver lining here i think for volkanovsky he can learn a lot from this fight uh of either holloway or frank yeager um and kind of sit back watch the fight uh him and his team can make the analysis and, and come up with a great game plan either for Frankie Edgar or for Jose Al... Uh, sorry, for Max Holloway. Um, so I, I think there is a silver lining. It's going to push things back, but as you said, sometimes you know injuries and other timing. If Frankie Edgar wins that fight, that's going to push it back a little bit more. But. I think Volkanovski has really established himself as the number one guy in that division. I don't see a whole lot of other threats to him besides Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. So um, he's going to have to sit back and wait. But uh, again, this is something that
0: other guys like Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, of course, uh, have had to deal with. Of course. No, it's a long list of guys for sure. And I do think Volkanovski's next fight is going to be for the undisputed title or for an interim title. But hopefully in his case, uh, an undisputed title shot, you know, and I think, too, he's the type of guy that just wants to, you know, rugby league style run through a brick wall and maybe on the heels of this blood infection to take this fight you know, with a six-week or whatever, eight-week abbreviated training camp wouldn't have been the most ideal circumstance, you know.
1: Without a doubt. And and listen, as good as this 145-pound division is – I think they also struggle in the name department. And Frankie Edgar uh, is one of, if not the biggest name uh, at 145 pounds besides Max Holloway. You look at what he's accomplished um, you know, on paper and the fact that he's been in some of the biggest fights uh, at 145 and 155 pounds. I, I think it's a fight that uh, the UFC probably went in that direction because of that uh, yeah, history. So Volkanovski doesn't ha- perhaps have the name of, of a Frankie Edgar yet. Maybe that's why they went in that direction as well.
0: And real quick on the Volkanovsky infection, and you mentioned how hard it might be to fight and compete and cut weight and everything else with that type of infection. He's lucky he's still alive, right? When you look at the details and what airplanes and, and altitude can do when you're fighting something like this, uh, this is Volkanovsky to ESPN, and, and Ken Flo will be on video in a few weeks, but he's just shaking his head because he knows all too well. Um, and especially, too, when you got kids, they get these infections. I mean, shit happens really quickly if you don't get on yeah. top of it. Uh, this is Volkanovsky uh, on what happened you know, shortly after going on the plane. It was too hard for them to tell, I think, the extent of the injury or virus because he was injured because of the trauma from the kicks. Uh, Once I went on the plane, it went crazy. And obviously, I just started feeling really crook. Then I went on the next flight and that's when it really hit me. 40 plus degrees Celsius temperatures. Um, Goes on to say, I could have lost the leg, lose your life. Uh, Very, very serious. Thankfully, it didn't get to that stage. But uh, antibiotics didn't work straight away. They were really worried about it hitting his tendons and bones because it was very close. And of course, once it goes there, uh you can have some serious problems so man you know and the thing too is right you find yourself in these situations right he was admitted to a hospital in chile after fighting in brazil right and you just trust that all the you know i'm not like kenful i don't speak six languages right you're in a hospital surrounded by people who are trying to save your life in a different language scary stuff man that has to be extremely scary uh absolutely uh, I, I can't even imagine
1: that is dangerous stuff when you're talking about these infections whether it's staff or these blood infections um you know it being on a plane and having to deal with that i, I mean that is just craziness uh uh, but I'm glad he was able to get out and and, and get healthy and um, wish him a, a, you know, a continued recovery. But that is definitely some scary stuff. I've dealt with some infections right. uh, b- before a fight, and, and you just don't feel the same or fight the same. Uh, Volkanovski's a beast, man. I'm glad he's okay.
0: Thankfully, he is okay. He is getting better, and he is home with his beautiful family. All right, main event challenge coming up in 60 seconds. First, though, this from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride sharing services, too. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets, so why take the risk? In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or tick it.
3: It's the Main Event Challenge. Anik.
0: The time is most definitely now. Florian. Yeah. I finished fights! I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge.
3: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
0: All right, so at one point, Team Anik led this thing by like 17 or so. Not, not really thrilled with the squad of late Ken Flo. Ian Parker, chief among them. He's on hold. We'll get to him in a second. It was <laughs> 61-48. Going into UFC Rochester, Team Florian wins his fifth consecutive week, four to two. The swing fight, Kenny Florian had Rafael Dos Anjos as a slight underdog, so it is now sixty-three to fifty-two. Going into UFC Stockholm, you take the week four-two kid,
1: chipping away, dog, chipping away. The kid's coming.
0: He's He's just coming. Unbelievable. It's still early. I I, got, I got what. Six months still—it's—it's <laughs> it's amazing the way you do this. Five consecutive winning weeks, unbelievable. Uh, as we welcome in Ian Parker, uh, Ian—not a great start to this uh, to this partnership. But the beauty is in your system. You get another crack this week, my man. It's good to have you back. How are you?
3: <laughs> you know, it's—I uh, guess you're only as good as your uh, last fight, and uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for uh, Mister Lee. I think I would have actually been flawless. So, uh, Kenny, you got lucky that uh, Neil Magny. Uh,
0: didn't want to come fight that day. I'm telling you, dude. Wow. All right, let us get to it. It is UFC fight night. Gustafson versus Smith. June 1st, Stockholm, Sweden. I believe this is a wall-to-wall job on ESPN+. We begin with a good one the featherweight division. Chris Fishgold favored here at a minus 125 clip against Makwan Amir Khani, who is plus 105. Fishgold, 18-2-1 one overall. Ian Parker, he is the favorite. Give it to me straight. Who do you like here?
3: Yeah, you know what? Um, This is uh, the odds are kind of spot on right here. You know, Mirakani is someone who was a potential prospect for a while. I just don't like the inconsistency in his uh, the time that he fights. Seems like he only fights once a year for a long time. I think Fishgold, since his last loss, has only gotten better. I think his strengths play really well to Mirakani's weaknesses. Uh, I'm gonna keep this one pretty simple. I think that. Fish goal is gonna grind the decision out, play it safe here. I think he out cardio is out hustles and he gets the win.
0: All right, Ian Parker going with fish gold out of Liverpool, England. He's got some hype behind him, Ken Flo. Submitted Daniel Tamer in February. 13th career submission, 12th by a choke of some kind. Uh, Makwan Amir Khani on the other side. I was surprised to see this. You know, more UFC tested in this equation for sure, but 4 and 1 in the UFC so far, coming off a split decision win over Mississippi Mean Jason Knight. That was over a year ago, May of 2018. Amir Khan, the underdog, or Fishgold, the favorite, for you, Kid?
1: You know, I think uh, Amir Khan uh, is one of those guys that um, I've been a little disappointed by how he's developed because he is such a great athlete, and I expected a lot more. Even in his wins, sometimes he just has you grinding your teeth. Like, is this guy going to pull it off? Like, why isn't he making? Why is he making this so hard? Um, sometimes the decision making out there, and again, you know, that's because he is kind of starting off his career still and still getting his bearings in the UFC, but. I expected him to be a little bit more further along in his career. Uh, Fishgold, I, I think, can get it done, um, just like Ian Parker said. Or I could actually see Fishgold getting a submission win over Amir Khani as well. So uh, I'm going with Fishgold.
0: Do you know how much Ian Parker loves when you're dropping that Parker and not just calling him Ian? I mean, Kenny Florian knows your last name, bro. <laughs> I mean, look at this. You All know right.
1: what? I'm going to
3: have to just go down like the route of like Sinbad. I think I'm just going to drop the Ian at this point and just go Parker. I think it just carries so much more weight. Like Bono
1: or Sting, yes.
0: I like
3: it. Yeah, I I don't know why I I, I went Sinbad. I could have went so much more memorable, but I went Sinbad.
0: (laughs) I don't know. That's funny. All right, so uh, two guys on fish gold there. Price is short if you do like that side. All right, featured bout at light heavyweight, top prospect Alexander Rokic, minus 220, Jimmy Manoa, the plus 180 underdog, Ian Parker, we will have you lead once again. Rockitch or the poster boy Jimmy Manoa for you?
3: Love leading, Kenny wouldn't have it any other way. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I like I you know, man, Jimmy Manoa, another guy who's Manua, Sorry, has been very again dis- disappointing. I guess for the most part, he's one of those guys. He's either going to knock you out or get knocked out. And I feel like the longer he's been the UFC, he has fought a higher level of competition, but. He's just, his technicality has gotten so far away from him that he just likes to slug it out. He believes that his power will do it, and it's showing not to be the case. I think the prospect gets it done here. I I do think he's, um, what I hope he does do, because if you want to slug it out with Jimmy, it's not the best idea. Jimmy's power, as I stated, is really, really good. But I think if he stays technical, which he can, I think if he uses jiu-jitsu, he's got a couple of sub-wins in his career. you know. And also, Jimmy's cardio is really not good. I like Rakish here um i really do appreciate where the, I, this is a very interesting fight also kind of he's not too far into his career in the ufc this will be a test um i think he gets it done i think the odds are i didn't expect him to be minus 220 you know but i would still take him i'm, I'm good with that pick
0: ken flow the austrian rockets getting vegas's respect he's won 11 in a row since dropping his pro debut 3-0 and in the ufc knockout of devin clark late last year he trains at american top team and here tries to hand Jimmy Manawa a fourth consecutive loss. Ken Flo, who you got? This is a
1: tough one. Listen, I, I do think that Manawa has the ability to knock this guy out. Um, I, I think this is his toughest win on paper. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's got wins over Bahoso and, and uh, Justin Ledet and Devin Clark on the UFC so far. And it's impressive his consistency as of late. But, you know, those aren't uh, guys that are really that have a skill that um, you have to be worried about necessarily. Sure. They're kind of good all the way around, but not as dangerous as say a Manawa on the feet who truly has knockout power. But I, I, I got to say what, what, what Ian said, I, I think he's onto something here. Um, it concerns me that Manawa is a little bit later on in his career, um, kind of at the end of his career. And I, I don't see that hunger getting ramped up at this point. I, um, I'm not sure he's going to have that same approach uh, right. to training for a fight like he did before. Um, and yeah, I think Mano was going to either try to knock him out, or he's just going to
0: get taken down. Or you know, I, I don't know. I, I think for Rakic, um, he'll probably get the decision to win. It was all about that Tiago Santos fight for Jimmy Manoa, right? Not all that long ago, and that one didn't go his way. So I, yeah. I see your point, right? It's hard to see Manoa being at the height of motivation, taking on a guy who I call a top prospect. And when I throw that designation out there, I'm saying like top prospect in the division, right? With respect yeah. to Dominic Reyes and the other guys, I think Rockets might be the guy who is the top young guy to keep an eye on going forward. Yes. Uh, all right, co-main event. Former world title challenger Vulcan Uzdemir, slight favorite here, minus one twenty against the backyard shed Alir, Latifi. Latifi, the even money underdog. Uh, co-main event, Ian Parker. We will need the round and the method of victory. You go in Uzdemir or Latifi.
3: All right. So <clears throat> this is this. Uh, I'm such a fan of Latifi just because he just seems like the nicest guy in the world, and his style is just really, really brutal. His wrestling, his slams, he's got heavy hands. Here's the problem. He has not fought, I don't think, anyone close to Vulcan's level where they're at in their UFC careers. Outside of coming on short notice and fighting Wuzasi, um, you know, there's going to be a huge height advantage or reach advantage. You know, Vulcan has fought guys like Daniel Cormier, uh, so he has seen other wrestlers. And with, he, he's just his cardio is not really good either. He has been knocked out and dropped before. I think if Uzmir can just keep his range here, pump his jab, and just not fight overly emotional, like he knows he's the best in the world. I mean, listen, that fight against Dominic Reyes. I don't know about Kenny, but I thought he won that fight. I didn't care either way. I, didn't have, I actually did not bet on that fight, but I did think that Vulcan won that fight, and that was a right that that loss t- for me told me told me so much about him that he still has it. You know, not too many yep. guys obviously beat DC in the title fight, so I think based on the level of competition, I think the reach, his hands are way better. He's a much better boxer. If he can keep this fight on the feet, I'm going to say TKO round one for Uzdemir.
0: I agree with a lot of the latter part of your response there. You better hope Alir Latifi does not listen to the Anakin Florian podcast, because that is not oh, the guy. There's
3: no disrespect here, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not a guy whose bad side you want to be anywhere near. But Uzdemir has dropped three in a row. You mentioned most recently to Dominic Reyes, the other losses, Daniel Cormier, Anthony Smith. Uh, Latifi had some momentum that was halted by Corey Anderson at UFC 232 last December. Uh, Ken Flo, loser of this fight, obviously in trouble when it comes to contention. You're going Uzdemir or Latifi? See Ian getting a little taste of what the flow's got to deal with
1: every single <laughs> week giving these breakdowns I know. Um, you know <laughs> listen I, I think Latifi is a very powerful guy um, I think he is um, a, a better wrestler than Uzdemir uh, I think he hits harder perhaps than, than even Uzamir. but you know those situations where he's getting in on your legs or he's landing those big shots uh, they're few and far between you know he's throwing a lot of overhand rights that you see coming um, you know with, with his ability to enter in on the legs I don't think it's um it's so clean he doesn't know how to really integrate his striking to set up his takedowns he's either just trying to shoot in from far away or trying to knock your head off so I think Uzdemir is going to have the experience to see all of those things I think Uzdemir showed a lot of that toughness that we've seen in in his previous fights um, in that last uh, fight against Dominic Reyes which I agree he definitely could have won that fight Um, and again it's no surprise this is one of the toughest individuals you'll ever meet Um, you don't become Anthony uh, Johnson's sparring partner getting your butt kicked and now giving him a really tough time at the end uh, of his career, I, I, you know, without being tough. So um, I, I think Uzdemir does get it done. I, I don't know if it will be by knockout, but um, we I do need to give a round, right? Is that correct? Let's you go know, with round
0: two or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. New scoring system. I think that does require you to give us a round and a method right. of victory. Kids. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go with round. Uh, let's go with round three TKO. Round three, TKO. And Ian, correct me if I'm wrong. You went round one. I did. Good, because I don't want to fucking go back and listen. That's what I had to do this week. I had to go back and listen to the entire main event challenge. I went warp speed, double speed on both of you guys. Because, you know, I get enough of you guys during the week. All right, main event. UFC Stockholm, Alexander Gustafson, the prohibitive favorite, minus 300. Anthony Lionheart Smith, plus 240. Of course, we will need the round of the method of victory, as this is a five-round main event. Ian Parker. Who wins the main event in Stockholm? How do they get it done?
3: Well, I just want to uh, real quick react to your comment about hopefully that Latifi's not listening to this podcast. If Ariel Hawani hasn't gotten his ass kicked yet, I think I'm hopefully safe, or I'm just going to hide here and <laughs> let Kenny handle my business for me. Um, so, <laughs> so okay, with this fight, I- I'm I'm again a little shocked that you have through Anthony Smith so quickly back into back in and against this. It- it's you know, I guess they really wanted that big of a marketable a fight for Gus in this fight. You know, it- it's interesting Anthony Smith's rise to the top. It was really just, he was beating everyone they put in front of him really quickly. Leg- you know, essentially legends that were on the decline. Everyone that really played into his style. And when he got to that point where the style no longer played to his advantage, he kind of saw what happened. I think this one, he is fighting a way better, faster more technical version of himself, I guess. I just think Gus is one of those guys that will always be a top three or four guy in that division. And outside of John and DC, I just don't know who really beats him. I don't think Anthony Smith is fast enough. I don't think he, you know, I don't think Gus really makes bad decisions. And I think it's going to take a really bad mistake on his part to lose this. Um, I know we got to pick a method of victory, right? So I'm going to say uh, Gus wins this uh, fourth round TKO.
0: Alexander Gustafson, round 4 TKO. So you touched on Anthony Smith. <laughs>
3: you
0: you touched on Anthony Smith's schedule, Ian. So he beats Volkan Demir last October and Kenny, I think you might have been on the desk 2 months later at Fox December 29th when he had the chance to interview John Jones. Yes. At that time he asked John Jones for a fight in July of 2019. So, of course, that fight did not happen on Smith's timeline, obviously, as the challenger. That fight happens in March. Didn't go well for Anthony Smith at all. And now, before even that July target date that he wanted to fight John Jones on, he's getting a second five-round fight against another guy who's a, a top-light, all-time light heavyweight. Um, you know, I think it's a huge ask for Anthony Smith here, Kenny, uh, and I think the betting odds reflect that. Your thoughts on, on Anthony Smith and Alexander Gustafson, Saturday Night Live on ESPN Plus. Yeah,
1: listen. Uh, Anthony Smith is like a promoter's dream. He's yeah. only going to say yes. This guy's a warrior, uh, I, I, of course. Oh, who you want me to fight tomorrow? Oh.
0: Yeah, no problem. I got this. <laughs> um, you know, th- that's the kind of guy that every promoter wants, right? And every coach doesn't want because at right. times Mark Montoya is like, bro, <laughs> come on. Really, <laughs> we have a little time to work on some skills. Yeah, now n- now you can put the lion heart away,
1: Anthony. Okay, just put, <laughs> put it away. Okay, save it for the fight. <laughs> stop showing off. Where's up your the lion? lion heart, Anthony. Yeah, stop. Yeah, put the lion heart away. <laughs> um, listen, I, I think that uh, it, this is a tough fight for him, man. Anthony Smith, I love the guy. He's one of the nicest, sweetest dudes you'll ever meet. Um but a true warrior through and through. And I think a lot of times our weaknesses are our strengths. And um, you know, I, I think that for Anthony Smith he he can he can get it done if Gustafson decides to just brawl with him and get stupid, but I just don't see that happening. Gustafson has tremendous boxing. He has excellent footwork when he's on point with it. When he's flowing, man, watch out. Gustafson can beat any fighter at 205 pounds in the world, and Anthony Smith usually enjoys that reach uh, and height advantage. It's not. That's not going to be the case here against Gustafsson. I don't like this matchup for him. I have so much respect for Anthony Smith, but I see a third round knockout for Alexander Gustafsson.
0: Third round knockout for Alexander. This Gustafson. is like this the is like the Price game. is Right today.
1: <laughs> exactly. I can't go over. I can't go over. Can't dude. go
0: over. <laughs> you know when Kempflo calls you a nice guy, that something not nice is coming next. What a come Was sweet. He's a sweet guy. <laughs> exactly. He's a sweet guy. See. Ninth fight. Ninth fight in two and a half years for Anthony Smith, and we know Gustafson rematch with John Jones certainly didn't go according to plan. He did injure the groin in there, and he wasn't going to outwardly make that excuse, but maybe that's a silver lining for Gustafson. If he's healthy and sharp and on point, uh, he's a 3-1 to favorite against Anthony Smith, and that's exactly uh, how it is on paper as Gus tries to preserve his status as one of the best light heavyweights in the world. One of the best cappers in the world. I don't know that we're going to call Ian Parker that just yet, but we do appreciate your time. We will talk to you next week. By the way, guys, you know how many picks you're making for UFC 238? How many? Fucking 10. No! Ian, you're going down, kid. 10? I like it. 10 picks. The (laughs) entire main card, all four televised prelims. They're all big fights. The smallest fight, if you want to call it that, that you guys are going to pick, if you really want to know, because I prep in advance, Joanne Calderwood caitlin chukagian so two top five flyweights i think they are close to it uh that's the smallest right the least consequential fight arguably that you're gonna pick so 10 fights next Uh, week uh ian parker anything else before we let you fly kid
3: uh no i listen i'm it was kind of weird this weekend not having uh a ufc card this weekend feel a little uh left out but looking forward to this week uh and i i missed you guys man I'm, i'm i'm pumped we're back on this week and uh Kenny, as much as I like you, i got to kick your ass this week, bro. John just got all over me for losing one fucking fight. Jesus, one fight, so i got to crush you this week, bro.
1: Stay consistent for me. Stay consistent for me.
0: Dude's coughing. <laughs> can
3: lose cough. one. Got to go undefeated the rest of the year. Got it. No problem. Dude's
0: cough, coughing during the segment, cutting me off. I mean, you are right at home, right away. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear you. Did I cut you off? My apologies. I'm just kidding around. Wait, we actually, I think we prefer the cough. Uh, than the then the car door, but uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> who, was ca- who was coughing? I wasn't coughing. No, of course not. You're the only Jew I've ever met that doesn't smoke marijuana, you know. <laughs> I mean, not anymore. Yeah, that, that's wow, we're, we're, we're,
3: look who's at home right now.
0: I know, I know. I, I'm, t- I'm sorry, I'm underslept. Alright, Ian, great stuff, buddy. Love you. We'll talk to you next <laughs> week. All good. This is great. Alright, man, thanks, guys. <laughs> Alright, we gotta get out of here because Ray Longo is waiting. Let's get to the Ray Longo moment.
3: Now, time for the Ray Longo Minute. I'm going to punch a bunch
2: of hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray
3: Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh,
0: I need more Ray Longo in my life. That's why he's been a weekly staple of this show since episode one. Happy belated birthday, Ray Longo. We figured we'd cancel the show on your birthday.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me the uh, day off. I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: So you're, you're older than me and Ken Flo. That's why we have you on the show, because we are fucking senior citizens already.
2: <laughs> I got to tell you, I think I'm older than you and Ken Flo put together. That's how bad I, it gets. Yeah. I'm not no sure, way. but it's going to be close.
0: So, uh, so I've been thinking a lot about Aljamain Sterling over the last couple of weeks, because it all comes down to June 8th, right? And this is an opportunity on a night that will showcase the four best Bantamweights in the world. Uh, that Aljo gets Pedro Munoz and gets to stamp himself the undisputed number one contender. Uh, and I do believe on any given Saturday night, you have the guy who might be the best bantamweight in the world. You're about two weeks out. Um, do, you, do you share my enthusiasm? I'm, I'm really excited for your guy to, to show. Why are you laughing at me now? Jesus Christ. <laughs> who could say your enthusiasm? You're so
2: enthusiastic. You take I'm enthusiasm a, I'm excited to for another guy. level. I can't match that enthusiasm even with oh. my own guys. That's why well, you're such a great announcer. Uh, see, uh, is it, is it because you don't no, want to give just, away the game? I'm Al's not just asking just for the left. game plan. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, just asking if you're it.
0: excited.
2: Oh yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm very excited too. He just left. He had a great uh, training today with a lot of people, so it was good. Now he's. I agree exactly what you're saying, and I think it's a good fight for Aljo. You know, we looked at a bunch of the guys' fights and stuff, so. Uh, I'm excited, man. It's a big deal. I think he understands it's a big deal, and uh, man, June 8th can't come quick enough.
0: I did see Pedro Munoz in Rio, and he seemed to intimate that if Cejudo or Marais was unable to go, that he and not Aljo uh, would be the guy that would get that short-notice championship opportunity. I'd imagine you don't want to add anything to that narrative. Uh, Is Aljo being told something similar, or we don't know? That's interesting. Well,
2: we've talked about it. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know who that. but why does he think he's the guy?
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was just lost in translation by me. Um, but I sort of was... Jimmy
2: Rivera or now Joe Beat Rivera's mentality. it <laughs> out. Like, what is it, Kenny? What am I missing?
1: Oh, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC told both of those people yeah, that. It's like, right. you know, the dude who's talking to two girls, and he's like, yeah, just in case this one doesn't <laughs> go right, I'm going to tell this one, I'm tell <laughs> the other one,
3: right?
2: Who knows? But uh, that was that. That's another good point, man. But uh, I think Cejudo at at that thirty five hasn't missed weight yet. So I think at twenty five that right. would have been a better right. case scenario. But we'll see what happens, man. You know, it is funny because it happened with Al, and uh, somebody brought it up the other day. And yeah, that's that's that that definitely makes everything interesting.
0: So uh, so I was Googling Ray Longo before the show, just as part of my pre-show prep. I don't always Google you before the show, but I just want to read a quote that I came across. We're not talking about your IMDB page right now. I, I came across this quote on UFC.com. This is from Ray Longo in 2012. Once I opened up the school, I always put a heavy emphasis on boxing more than anything else. When I'm training guys, I force them to box to see how they deal with the adversity of getting hit. What you will get from boxing is the ability to endure punishment. It's not really how hard you can hit. It's how good you can take a punch. Boxing tests your courage. It tests your confidence. Some people can never get over the fear of getting hit in the face. That's just a problem. I've seen some guys who wrestle the first time a punch is thrown, they turn their head and run away. When you're doing jiu-jitsu, when you're doing wrestling, they're physically enduring pain on the body that gives you a Another whole set of skills, but the ability to take a shot, to take a hit, and keep on going is from boxing. And then you go on to say nothing's going to test your courage like boxing. Once you get used to absorbing the punishment and you've developed the timing of having a live opponent in front of you and the necessary footwork to evade an attack properly, I think you're building an awareness that translates over perfectly for MMA. So, uh the legendary Ray Longo, it just was a great quote that stuck with me. Uh, So, so when you opened the gym, it was all about boxing at first glance.
2: Yeah, well, I know, but I do believe that boxing, it is, it it tests your courage in a different way. Just like, you know, wrestling will just test your mental fortitude to have a guy grinding on you and you got to keep on going. This is, uh, there's some, somehow people, you know, once you get used to rolling with punches and taking punches, it, it frees your mind up. It's, it's, something that you have to do but and you wanna do it in the right way because you don't want to obviously now with all the CTE and all that stuff, uh, you gotta be, you know, like think little careful or at least, you know, cognizant of the fact that, you know, some stuff could be bad for you. But no, I don't think anything tests is that because there's nothing to do. There's no place to go. You know, you gotta fight back, you gotta learn how to, you know, deal with, with the adversity of getting hit and controlling your breathing. And some guys never get comfortable with it. And some guys are They love to sit in the pocket and just do their thing.
0: So, yeah, I
2: I, I think that what I said there, I I would reiterate, you know, eight years later or whenever the hell it was. (sighs)
0: See, I mean, I've been punched in the face before hard, you know, like I didn't particularly like it, you know, but I sometimes will... You know, maybe somebody that I don't like in my life, I'll say, I think that, I don't know if that guy's ever been punched in the face. I think he would do well to get punched in the face. I think a lot of people look at me and be like, man, I would love to punch that guy. In
2: the face. <laughs> but you know how empowering it would be, John, for you to say, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then there's, once you take that off the table, then what do they have? You know, right. and I think that's the, uh, you know, that's the beauty of it. And again, I'm not like, you know, promote like violence like that, but it is a, a great way. I think everybody should do it, and they like, like, everybody. Done in the right manner, I think it's, like, you know, like, I want to do a thing, years ago, you know, like Anthony Robin says, walking over the coals, and I want to do, right. like, a motivational thing, and at the end, you know, you get you get taught, but you have to go in and, and spar a couple of rounds and deal with that. I think that's empowering. Way more oh, yeah. than, like, walking over, uh, you know, coals that, you know, a lot of scientists could come up with and tell you, you know, well, this is why... You, you know, you could do it and blah, blah, blah. There's no way getting out of that. Once you're in that ring of the door locks in the octagon, you got to face your fears. And if it's done constructively, I think it could be one of the most empowering things there is.
0: Yeah. No, I even thought taking a few jiu-jitsu classes was was very empowering, you know? Doesn't yeah, mean 100%. I'm going to go back every Tuesday for the rest of my life, but it was very empowering being in there, you know?
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you, jiu-jitsu, I mean, I've seen Matt take guys that, with just like ordinary... They, they're, not, they're not playing any other sport, trust me. And they are phenomenal jujitsu guys, and they'll right. latch onto your neck, and I don't care who you are, you're going out. Right. And that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu. It's a but for self-defense, I think everybody should learn that, you know, for right. the other reasons with the boxing, you know. And look, it's like you, you get into a fight with a, a, a Volante or a Widener. I mean, what what on the street, and you have no skill set, right. Kenny. What chance do you have?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's tough. There's
2: no, doubt about it. Yeah, you know these are these are skilled guys that are used to taking a beating. I mean, I don't know what are you doing. You got to get lucky, knock them out with one punch. What are you going to do? You're not right. going to out wrestle them, right? You're not submitting them. You know, I'm just saying you're the average, you know, tough guy in the neighborhood. That shit's gone, right? You know, right. No people doubt. are really well trained today, and
0: it's
1: it's that, that gets a little scary.
0: Yeah, that cauliflower ear. Don't go anywhere near the guys with the cauliflower ear. You know,
1: that's what you got to spot. That's what you got to spot
0: for sure. That's, that's a, like that's yeah. really why I want to wrestle and do jujitsu is I want that <laughs> souvenir of a lifetime of repetitions in the game. That's
2: it. Kenny will put you in a headlock for a half hour. You're really perfect.
0: Be no, but perfect Kenny's condition. not just that. Kenny's not just that straight jujitsu guy. World class soccer skills underneath that. <laughs> no,
2: let me tell you, look, if I'm a soccer game like, breaks out, I'm good. Pretty,
0: I'm good, especially. Doug
2: yeah kenny was awesome the footwork i like uh who'd you have peter welch who i really like a lot i thought your footwork yes. your movement you could punch and balance i think he was awesome man you were a great just a great fighter
0: thank you man oh man just such a good good feeling all around all right man well unless you have anything else next week uh hopefully we'll go a little bit deeper on sterling and muñoz but i'm really excited and then, Tell your guy we're we're excited for him and uh, maybe he'll crash the Ray Longo minute next week or something.
2: Oh, uh, we're gonna. I think we uh, will do it. He's a good. He's a really good dude, Alden. Now listen, when I get off the phone, you're not gonna bash me that I didn't give you anything. What do you What do you need? Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I no. I think we're good today, and we're we're, we're sure? grabbing you on you're a sure grabbing good. you on a federal holiday. I know you you weren't available earlier, but we hung around the studio a little bit longer because we wanted to get you in. So uh, uh, thanks for breaking away for us, and uh, we will talk to you in less than a week, my man. Uh, who's better than you guys? to good you. question, Ray. You are. Thank right, you, buddy. Definitely. Let's take it easy. Thanks, I'll Ray. talk to you. Bye. There he is, the great Ray Longo. I think I'm so excited for that fight because I did get to spend a little bit of time with Pedro Munoz and Rio and just sort of getting ready for the next pay-per-view. It just is a huge event. You know, it feels like so these pay-per-views feel like Super Bowls to me in a lot of respects. And uh, for Aljo, right, it's like you only get these chances, right, Kenny? Like, They only come around once in life, and he has to be the best Bantamweight weight or one of them on June 8th. And if he isn't, then maybe it's just not going to happen for him in terms of becoming a UFC champion. And the, the, the magnitude of it, the stakes, it just, you know, gets my blood boiling.
1: Uh, w- without a doubt, man. Listen, uh, it's not impossible for him to come back um, if he doesn't get the win here, but certainly a lot of pressure on his shoulders for this one. This was one of those fights that um, definitely is do or die, and, and and who knows what happens? And again, a lot of things can go wrong uh, between now and when uh, Morais uh, fights, and and um, you know who knows. The, the only thing that makes sense for Pedro Munoz is the fact that he does uh, is that Morais does have that win. Uh, over Aljo, sure. of course, which might put him in, in the front as a front runner there if something goes wrong
0: with that fight. But uh, who knows? Championship doubleheader, UFC two thirty eight coming up June eighth. We will be back in a week to preview that for you. The only championship stakes tonight, though, Monday, May 27th, of course, the Stanley Cup final getting away in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'll try to say this as respectfully as possible. You know, I think people outside of Boston, even the ones who listen to this podcast, really are hoping that the St. Louis Blues can find a way, uh, you know, because it's just been enough right for people outside Boston. Just enough. How do you stop them at this point? I, I mean, it, it's it's crazy.
1: And and again, you know, the Celtics, you know, they had their issues. But imagine if they were able to get has has a team won four World Championships ever? Oh, three. That, well, and I don't,
0: Detroit was the last team to get three, right? And the 1930s, right? Yeah. But I say, you know, my son was born June twenty three, two thousand eighteen. I mean, you're gonna tell me that they're gonna win every single pro sports the first three that are there to be won in his life? Unbelievable. Um, but first things first. Of course, they got to beat the St. Louis Blues. Best of luck to the Boston Bruins. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Ray Longo, Ian Parker, of course, T.J. Desantis behind the glass, and of course to all of the fallen service men and women uh, that we remember today, and ideally uh, more days than just today. Uh, thank you for making that ultimate sacrifice. Thank you all for listening to. To our show. We know you're out there. We appreciate that. For Ken Flow, the birthday boy, I'm John stand So long for now. Have a great week. Enjoy the Stockholm show. We will talk to you in a few days. Until then, you'll later.
3: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.